This program, of course, is presented by Pro Wrestling Illustrated, the most widely read, widely sold, and respected wrestling magazine in the world today. This is the Pro Wrestling Illustrated Podcast. I am your host, PWI senior writer Al Castle. Back once again with my co-host, PWI contributing writer Brian Solomon. How's it going, Brian? Uh, not too bad. Happy to be here, Al. How's everything with you? Crazy times. Um, you know, hopefully uh, we, we can serve as a, a distraction for fans as well. I mean, we'd be remiss not to acknowledge everything going on um, in, in the country and, and in the world. I, I mean, have you ever... Can you remember a crazier time than 2020? You know, I was just talking to my, my kids about this yesterday. Remember Kobe Bryant dying? You know, that, that was a huge, huge deal. Um, and if they were tallying up the, uh, you know, I think ahead to like December and and the, the top 10 stories of, of the year that they always do. Gosh, I don't even know if it breaks the, the top 10 at, at, at this point. Um, and we've got a presidential election on the horizon, you know, even watching the, um, the the weather yesterday, they were talking about how this might be a more active than usual hurricane season. And it's just like, oh, that's what we need is is a big hurricane. Yeah, it sort of feels like, uh, I mean, before our times, but what you'd always hear about the 60s, you know, especially like um, the year people usually point to is 1968 being, you know, the year of that of, of another American implosion where you had. Uh, Martin Luther King, you had Bobby Kennedy, you had race riots, you had Vietnam, you had Nixon getting elected. It was just like this perfect storm of craziness in one year, and it feels like we're there again. Yeah, yeah. I mean, watching um, the news for the last uh, a few months, and and uh, every night the the entire newscast uh, being dominated by the the coronavirus pandemic for months. I wondered, like. You know what will it take to to boot this off of the news, um, and whether it would be kind of a, a gradual return of some other stories, and it's almost it was almost overnight that the coronavirus disappeared from from um, you know the evening newscast, um, obviously complete replaced by by the stories of the protests and um, the death of of George Floyd. Um, and which, which does scare me a little bit, the extent to which it has done that, because um, the virus is not aware that this is happening. Oh, sure. so, uh, we are still in a pandemic and a, and, a, and a somewhat of a lockdown, depending where you live. And I'm a little scared about what we're going to see happening in a couple of weeks. I feel like we're going to be in the house till Christmas. Yeah, I mean the 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 two, as, as you touched on, they they are not unrelated. And um, yeah, you know, I'm here in New York, and we're New York City is supposed to open, I think, next week. And I think there's a very strong likelihood that that doesn't happen now. I mean, we've got, um, and now you see tens of thousands of people just on top of each other um, in the streets, and it just feels right. like that whole other conversation is moot. It's like, well, you know, I I guess it doesn't really matter um, uh, anymore. Uh, but yeah, I mean, absolute surreal images, um, not just of, of of the protests in the streets, but that all the you see all the protesters with masks. And it's I think it speaks to, again, the converging of these two historically huge stories um, and at the same time, um, just just crazy. And um, we certainly don't want to get too political here on, on the show. We're here to talk about uh, wrestling. And, and again, hopefully it serves as a distraction for folks. But uh, we'd be remiss if we didn't just sort of. Um, 
extend our, our sympathies to everyone who is understandably uh, hurting in, in the country right now and aggravated and frustrated. And, um, you know, we, we look forward to a, a day where uh, we can all heal. And, and a part of me just thinks like, gosh, I want to get back to where we were in, in January. But, but I understand that the, the point of a lot of this is that that's not good enough and it's not about just going backward, but going ahead, you know, um, and, and getting to a better place than we were. So, uh, I think we could, you know, wherever you are on things, I think we, we all would, would hope for that. Um, so, uh, anyhow, uh, let, let's talk a, a bit about what we're going to be uh, talking about La later on the show. Uh, uh, in some ways timing, not so great because, um, uh, when I interviewed her, she was the AEW women's champion, no longer. So, uh, following uh, Double or Nothing. I'm talking about Nyla Rose. Uh, but on the flip side, she's got um, a lot to say about the discrimination she's faced in, in her life. And, and I can imagine a few other um, uh, wrestlers who have faced the kind of discrimination uh, that she has. So in that sense, uh, timely enough, um, you can uh, read the interview in the pages of the latest Pro Wrestling Illustrated, and you'll hear um, some portions of it uh, here in a bit. Uh, my interview with uh, the former AW Women's Champion, um, Nyla Rose. Uh, I think we'll also talk a little bit about backlash coming up and some some pretty uh, high uh, expectations that they are setting for uh, one match in particular uh, there and um, uh, whatever else. We, we should also uh, uh, touch on it. I mean, again, talk about how much going on. Uh, this is Dusak's uh, last week uh, on the job here after 41 years in pro uh, at Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, he he joined us on the last podcasting look podcast looking back on his career. Uh, I should mention there's a terrific story uh, that 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 I uh, was lucky enough to be a part of on the WrestlingState.com put together by John Corrigan, a really uh, a long magazine style um, a look back on Stu's career with a lot of voices um, from throughout his career. Yeah, strongly recommend it. Uh, a really terrific, terrific look at I think one of, uh, again, not not to belabor it, but but one of the true sort of unsung heroes and figures of of wrestling journalism, uh, our longtime boss, but not for long, uh, Stu Sachs. So check that out. Um, uh, real quick, let's talk about the latest issue of, of Pro Wrestling Illustrated, which you know, talk about a collector's edition. It, it it's the last one um, that is going to feature uh, Stu's column from the desk of uh, Stu Sachs, where he announces retirement. And uh, there's some terrific photos here. Uh, it, it, it's been one of the themes. Stu keeps a real low profile. I think a lot of fans, um, and, and it's one of the, the fun pieces of, of the story that John Corgan put together. A lot of people don't even know that he's a real person, much less have ever seen him. And there's uh, tons of, of photos of Stu um, from throughout his career in the magazine. So that's a fun read, and there's a lot else uh, um, to check out in the magazine. On the cover, uh, Drew McIntyre, the WWE uh, champion, and um, your piece, Brian, looking at the, the real winners and losers of WrestleMania. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, my hot seat interview with uh, Nyla Rose, who was the AEW Women's Champion um, at the time. Um, what else is in here? We've got features on Jacob Fatu, on Marty Skrull, and uh, uh, a lot more. And before long, uh, our next issue should be uh, coming out. I've been working on the PWI poll, uh, a heck of a lot of work. Uh, and we, we've got a lot more uh, in the works here. So what you want to do is go to 
pwi-online.com if you want to download um, the one issue or order the one issue, uh, the, the print version of the one issue. Uh, but we'd strongly recommend subscribing. Uh, the longer you subscribe for, the deeper the savings, more than half off uh, the cover price, absolutely the way to go. Uh, we're already starting to talk about uh, the, the PWI 500. I think we're going to be meeting here in the coming days to uh, uh, discuss it. So uh, we're getting into our busy season uh, now, and you don't want to miss uh, one issue. Uh, again, pwi-online.com is the way to go. Uh, while you're there, you can listen to uh, our podcast. You can uh, subscribe to the new returning uh, PWI weekly newsletter put together by our new editor-in-chief, uh, Kevin McElvaney. Um, a bit of a throwback uh, to, to the old uh, weekly newsletter, but also some fun new features uh, in there and uh, a lot more. Um, we're also on YouTube now where you could uh, check out some of our podcasts, including the, our last sort of video roundtable um, talking with, with Stu. Uh, what else? We've got the PWI t-shirt uh, available at ProWrestlingTees.com. You can follow us on social media. Uh, at official PWI on Twitter and Instagram, and we're also on Facebook. And what else? You can send us an email at uh, for the podcast, PWI podcast out at outlook.com, um, or for everything else, PWI at capapublishing.com. Uh, so uh, I think that uh, just about covers it. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, so, so uh, as you touched on, we still have, you know, this COVID-19 pandemic uh, going on in the world, and it, it continues to have uh, ramifications in, in the way wrestling is presented. And just since we um, uh, last talked uh, here, there have been some changes in WWE's presentation. Um, uh, I think it's fair to say following the lead of, of AEW, which is a good thing to do. I mean, I, it's actually a, a really relief to see that sort of stubbornness put aside and if somebody else has a good idea, why not take it? Um, WWE uh, now putting some of its own NXT trainees uh, in the audience to sort of simulate uh, a, a crowd. And it's incredible the, the difference that, that it makes. I mean, it's, um, you know, having no fans as compared to having uh, 10,000 fans it is night and day, but it's incredible that the difference between having 20,000 fans or having 12 fans, uh, there's a difference, but it, it's not as much. I mean, uh, it, just having some kind of, of reaction, some kind of pop or a yay or a boo, uh, it, it makes all the difference. I think AEW's known this um, for a while. WWE's taking the added step of putting uh, up these um, glass barriers around the, the ring, uh, which I think is is cool. I actually haven't seen anywhere else. I don't think even UFC is, is doing that. So uh, good for them. I thought it was sort of funny that the first week that they they put those up on the first show and they had all the uh, NXT trainees behind the glass. By the end of the episode, they were all in the ring <laughs> in some big giant melee. So like, well, what was the point of, of that? Um, but 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 what are your thoughts on, on sort of the evolution of WWE's presentation um, in, in the middle of this pandemic? I never would have thought that they would have essentially taken a play from the AEW playbook. I think it even came up here where we just it was a foregone conclusion where we said, oh, they're never going to do that because AEW did it. They're never going to have, fan, you know, uh, wrestlers as fans in the stands and here they are doing it. I mean, they're doing it in a different way, but they're doing it for the same reason. So you have some kind of noise or reaction or something 
Because I'll tell you what, it's like, even with that, it's obviously not the same. And I'm sure every wrestling fan is going through this where you see things happening on the show, any show, that you imagine would get this huge pop or reaction that would really put it over the top. And it's just not there. And mm-hmm. and, it, and it just it just things fall flat and you keep thinking, wow, that would have been such a big deal if there was like 15,000 people there. Like I thought about when the revival showed up on dynamite yeah, and like, it just didn't feel like it should have felt because you didn't get that huge, like, Oh my God. Like they actually had some of the wrestlers chanting, you know, chants that, that we all know wrestling fans chant when something is amazing. Right. That I won't say, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> they had wrestlers doing that and it was sort of like this oh they're trying and it was kind of cringeworthy to me of like they're trying to make this seem big and it is big but it doesn't feel big because there's nobody there but but it's better than having nobody is what i'm saying it's it's better than just dead silence we were saying how sometimes at wrestlemania we were checking to see if the sound had gone yeah. off because it was so quiet right so i do think having some people there is better um, so they're taking some steps. I'm glad they're doing it. You know, I don't know if it's um, just a case of like swallowing your pride or if they're just genuinely trying to maybe like put a new spin on it. But, you know, it's a step in the right direction. I, I think it's also fascinating the the difference between the two sets of, you know, fake fans. Right. And as you touched on an AEW, they seem a little more. um uh, uh, raw and and sort of legitimate, like they're really kind of feeling it and and really being fans. And not surprisingly, in WWE, it feels a lot more put on. And um, it reminds me of like uh, the, the the days of like WCW taping at Disney, and they'd bring in um, you know the the fans, they'd pull them off the line for like you know Magic Mountain or something, and then they put them in to to watch. Um, whatever Eddie Guerrero versus like the gambler in a squash match or something. And the, the, the good guys would, would come out and the fans would be yay. Yay. And then the, the bad guy, boo, it's, it, it's just so put on it, it. It's the most unnatural reaction to, to wrestling, but there you've got all these NXT trainees that whenever the baby face come out, I mean, they're just jumping out of their seats. So excited for um, Kevin Owens, whoever it is. And then the heel comes out and just this really kind of affected, phony, boo. <laughs> and uh, it, it's better than nothing, but but it's also just just reeks of, of insincerity, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was also uh, something else that I saw pointed out online where, um, I don't know if you caught this, um, the match where um, Nia Jax um, injured... Um, oh, I'm drawing Tyree Sane. Right, yeah. right, where she injured mm-hmm. her on the ring steps where you could actually see some of the trainees like having a legitimately shocked, like, Oh my God reaction to what they just saw that uh, you wouldn't have had if they weren't there, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I also saw something, and I don't know how true this is about some of the trainees um, maybe not being too thrilled about having to do this, being on their feet for hours at a time. Um, Cause they're not even given chairs. I don't know if I believe that. I don't know if that's one person complaining uh, I imagine most of them are more than happy to be able to do this and getting their faces on television I, I doubt that they're upset about that yeah I think so and, and beyond that I think just being company people and 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 maybe you know hoping that they remember that you did this for them 
uh, down the line. So I, th- I think it's uh, uh, absolutely an improvement. The, the other thing uh, we've seen um, is sort of the, the, the latest evolution of these creative matches, you know, before we were using the term cinematic matches. And I think it's, it's expanded even beyond that. And, and what it is, is wrestling promoters, um, again, trying to figure out how to put out a product w- within these constraints and, and what are different ways of, of presenting uh, a pro wrestling. And I got to say, I mean, by the day, I'm getting more and more concerned about sort of the, the lasting effects of this. Uh, one, I, I think that the the most sort of glaring example recently was the stadium stampede, the main event of uh, AEW Double or Nothing, which, uh, you know, was was entertaining for sure, right? I think a, a lot of people liked it, but again, I mean, I think stretched so much the definition of of what a pro wrestling match is. And I understand we're living in a different world right now, and and that's not necessarily. And, and I really enjoyed the Money in the Bank and uh, match where it was very similar um, to this. Uh, and, and there are a lot of elements of, of this that I enjoy too, but uh, it just, it feels like for, for every, and I thought this before the the pandemic, and I think you and I have talked about it. Um, and, and it's one of the reasons that, that um, I enjoyed uh, NWA's presentation as much as I did. And, and uh, man, are they struggling right now? That's a whole other conversation, but I'm really feeling for them, and and uh, I hope they're they're able to to recover. Uh, but but I feel like for so um, long there's been all this importance and value pra- um, placed on creativity, and um, not that I'm down on creativity at all. I, I think sometimes it's misguided where where the thought is that the be all end all is just to be different, to be original, to present something that nobody's ever seen before. Um, and, uh, I think in doing that, we get stuff that is just so far afield and so removed from what wrestling should be. I mean, when you have, um, you know, Matt Hardy being dunked in water and then coming up as a different character and then being dunked in water and coming up as a different character, um, uh, I just, again, the second that happens, I'm out, you know, it just, yeah. it just pulls me right out of the match and it's hard for me to get back into it. I couldn't. I really couldn't get with that match. I know I sound like a broken record on these things with the with these types of matches, but I thought this one might have even been the worst in a lot of ways because for me it it highlighted in some ways how WWE is so much technically better at pulling these things off than they are cuz it it really highlighted the shortcomings. I felt it was badly edited and blocked out and put together. There were times watching it where I'm watching two guys go at it and I'm going, where the hell is everybody else? Like, like this is going on forever. Like are the other wrestlers now just getting a beer or something? I mean, in the case of hangman page, they literally were, but I mean, <laughs> like, you, you know, it just didn't flow. Like I didn't, I didn't enjoy money in the bank either, but at least I thought technically it was executed. Well, you know, this just seemed like, I don't know. It was like a horror show. I know. Look, a lot of people are entertained by this. I just thought it was a big mess, just a mess. I, I couldn't get into it at all. And I think an- another thing that's really been hurting some of these attempts is uh, they go so long and right. it just makes them feel even more self-indulgent. I mean, it really it's like they're, they're just sort of doing this to entertain themselves. And I say that knowing that that tons of fans are entertained by it and, and you and I may be in the minority uh, on some of this, but um, at the very least, 
I, I can't imagine that these wouldn't be better at a fraction of the length, you know, uh, yeah. whatever that was, 35 minutes for, for that. It's like, all right, we get it. it and it's just like, oh, it, it's just bad editing. I mean, it, it, it feels like one of those bloated um, four-hour superhero movies uh, where it's just nobody had the, the guts to, to cut this scene out uh, because we spent so much time working on it. It's so different and so original. And it, it's sort of like the entertainment value be damned. We did this, so we're going to keep it in there. Um, yeah. And and it just it would be better shorter. Uh, and WWE, again, is doing some of this, uh, too, the, the, uh, a little bit different. But the skits every week with um, the Viking experience and the Street Profits, I'm, I, and I'm trying to be less negative these days on this stuff, but they are brutal, 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 brutal. Um, uh, and I, I don't maybe we would have gotten them anyway if, if we weren't in the middle of this. And, and certainly th there's a history of these kinds of skits. I'm reminded of like the old Mr. Perfect skits and stuff like that. And and I get character building, uh, but they're just so corny and so fake and uh, ugh. It, it's I don't tough. I don't mind corny so much when it's in its place. That's the thing. Like that's why I don't mind the Street Profits Viking Experience stuff nearly as much because I feel like look if it's in the mid card if it's like stuff that we accept as this is a comedy match or this is a comedy title or this is a comedy angle so you're freer to just do goofy dumb stuff. But when you have it at the top, I think that's where it's most damaging. The main event, yeah. Main it's supposed to be the most high stakes, most important. You're supposed to be emotionally invested. And you're basically just telling people, nah, this is all just a joke. Don't, you know, don't get too invested in this. Like, what are you, a mark? Like, that, yeah. that's the thing I don't like. Like, it's okay for me if it's mid-card stuff, not main event stuff. Yeah. So so ironically, the the, the featured match in WWE's next pay-per-view, it, it seems like they're almost – going in the complete opposite direction and they're billing it not only as just a pure wrestling match as if it's this kind of novel concept um, but the greatest wrestling match of all time and and we're talking about edge and randy orton i mean what it feels like is um an, an overreaction i imagine probably by by the wrestlers themselves i could certainly see edge um, to the the negative feedback to their their last match at WrestleMania, which uh, was almost universally panned. Much of what we were just talking about being too long, too kind of self-indulgent uh, in, in, in the creativity and all that. And it feels like kind of a course correction. We're like, well, let's show them that we can have not just a good match, but the greatest match uh, of all time. Uh, it... it it's such a bizarre approach to promoting this match because you're almost absolutely setting yourself up for well, you are setting yourself up for, for disappointment and failure, unless it's the greatest match uh, of all time. And um, I don't know who realistically expects that, that it's going to be. I mean, it, all due respect to both those guys who are super talented, but uh, I, I, I think it'd be tough for them to have the match of the year in uh, a, a sold-out football stadium, uh, but the greatest match of all time in front of, uh, I assume, you know, 20 NXT trainees at the WWE Performance Center. Um, what, what do you think the, the thinking is behind this approach? I think it's a, a reaction not just to the Edge Orton uh, previous match, but I think it's a reaction to um some of what's been happening even with the cinematic matches in general like even though they're being un you know, pretty much 
uh, people seem to like them. I'm sure that there are factions, particularly within the company, that do not and that are kind of concerned that they don't want this to be the direction that they're going to go in fully. So I think that that this may be an example of pleasing that faction within the company, whether it's fa uh, faction meaning from company side, from talent side, but it's a way of like balancing things out. Like, hey, we could still put on great wrestling matches. In fact, we're going to give you the greatest wrestling match of all time. And so here's the thing. Like, anytime you say that, you're setting yourself up for failure because the greatest matches of all time, I don't think were ever built that way going into them. Do you know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. there's nothing against them. You know, Randy Orton and Edge are definitely great performers, amazing performance. I would say two are the best in the business today. And it's not as even, I'm not even saying that every match in order to be considered great needs to be like this technical masterpiece or something. Cause I think, you know, I think Hulk Hogan versus Andre the Giant is a great match for different reasons. But like just to be able to work at that level and do something just from a working perspective that could be like greatest of all time, I don't think they have it in them. You know, Edge and Randy Orton are great. They're not like Dory Funk Jr. and Jack Briscoe. You, do you know what I mean? Like, I, yeah. I, I think it's a little unrealistic to put that on their shoulders. And and it's such a, a bankrupt approach going into a match because, uh, again, going back to just, just how removed we are from, from any sense of reality in wrestling – what does it even mean to to want to put on the greatest match uh, of all time? If you if you look at the the great matches of all time, um, all of them, even ones that I think were uh, uh, more meticulously laid out th than others. I mean, on, on one end, you've you've got you know uh, uh, the Flair Steamboats, which um, were probably largely called in the ring by two guys who were just pros and master storytellers and um, then on on the other side, you've got you know Randy Savage and Ricky Steamboat and 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 those types which were more mapped out, and then everything in the middle, you know Okada, Omega, or Undertaker, um, Shawn Michaels. But in in none of those was the the hype about we're going to go and put on a great match. The hype, as it should be among all those, is we're I'm going to go out there and I'm going to try to beat you. I'm going to win, you right? Know, uh, because so the stakes are high. I don't I don't care how how you know great the high spots are and and how big the pops are from from fans i'm going to go in there and i'm going to leave it all out there and i'm going to try to come out with um the w and right. it just again it makes it more of this sort of performance art this this dance than than a simulated fight in 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 ufc and boxing who talks about going out there and well i shouldn't say that there there are some some fighters who are are known for for putting on a more entertaining fights than others, but that's more about their style and just kind of being really aggressive. But, but, you know, the, the idea isn't to, you know, there, there aren't judges holding up scorecards at, at well, there are now sort of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are five stars and all that. But, but that's the thing. It does underline the choreographed nature of wrestling. It's the whole, like, this is awesome school of thinking of like, yeah. I, I'm not watching this to see who wins and loses. I'm watching to be entertained. And when you say that, it's basically like saying, we're going to put on a great show for you guys, you know, and, and, and that's one thing. But, it, yeah, it, it should be more about 
winning or about a grudge or about settling something. You you never would get like old school guys cutting a promo going, when I get you in the ring at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, let me tell you something. It's yeah. going to be one of the greatest matches of all time. There's like, going to be so many near falls. Right. <laughs> so many, I'm telling you, you're kick not believe the high spots and kickouts <laughs> and, you know, swerves. No, they were just saying, I'm going to kick your butt and I'm going to get yeah. back at you for what you did. And you made fun of my mother or you you, you stole my title and all this. <laughs> it was that. And, and and this is more like, like it's more about choreography and putting on a show. And yeah, I'm not crazy about that. Also, there would be times when, okay, a match might be promoted as they might say like the match of the century or something like that. But they never meant, they were never talking about like entertainment value. They more meant like the issues at stake, the volatility of sure. the grudge, the heat on the match. It wasn't like this is the match of the century because they're going to like put on a great performance. Like it, it was a totally different uh, way of, 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 of promoting the match. And I think there's an understanding that some wrestlers and some combinations of wrestlers are more apt to put on entertaining matches um, than others. I mean, I, I remember the bill to Shawn Michaels undertaker uh, one at WrestleMania and even more so the bill to the, the rematch um, at uh, WrestleMania 26. And, I, they they didn't say it at the time, but but I remember the expectations for Undertaker Shawn Michaels too at WrestleMania 26 was the greatest match of all time because they sort of did that the the a year earlier and the goal was to beat that, um, but but you know it was poster or anything like that, and it just feels very kind of um, uh, I I don't know it it, it uh, 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 like the, like a lack of self esteem or something that that you'd need to put it on the poster because frankly nobody hears Edge versus Randy Orton and think oh this has the potential of um, to be the greatest match of, of of all time and and again no disrespect to those guys but they're just not those types of of wrestlers so uh, and and if they had any chance of having the greatest match of all time uh, I think. Promoting it as such makes it less likely. I mean, just go and put on the best match that you can. You know, it's just bizarre. And and frankly, I don't know who's calling the shots here, but but um, I feel like certainly Edge and and Randy Orton should know better. I mean, two guys who I, I think after all their years in the business, um, you know, I, I don't know. Maybe they've got something planned that we're not thinking of. Who knows? I, I just yeah. I, I can't imagine. Uh, I, I think that about covers it. Uh, Brian, we've been talking here for about uh, 40 minutes. Um, uh, we'll say whatever else for, for next time. Uh, thanks, uh, as always, Brian. Stay safe, please, uh, you and, and everybody else listening. Um, and uh, right now, let's hear from the former AW uh, Women's Champion. Uh, you can read the full interview in the latest issue of Pro Wrestling Illustrated. Uh, here is the Native Beast, Nyla Rose. I guess we just ask you about sort of your week. I know it's an, an unusual week because uh, coming off of the pay-per-view, but uh, are Tuesdays typically uh, a busy day? Sort of the unofficial start of the week with with the you guys taping on Wednesday. Yeah, definitely. Especially like you said, coming off the uh, start of the pay-per-view, very different week. Um, you know, usually I, I've been home for a few days, kind of get a little settled in, uh, but I think I've been here for maybe a day and a half. So that quick turnaround, I'm actually uh, trying to pack up my bags now uh, to get out the door and 
you know, get on over to uh, early this week, Colorado, get that workout in and kind of get, get my mind right before we get into taping. Yeah, yeah. How is AEW in terms of, like, uh, maintaining a personal life? Because I think that the reputation for, for pro wrestling and certainly WWE for so long is if if you want to have a personal life, a family life, marriage, this isn't the lifestyle for you. But I feel like AEW has changed that so much, at least for now. Who knows where you guys are in a few years from now if the schedule ramps up. But I imagine it's actually a pretty conducive life, right, in terms of having a good amount of time off every week. Yeah, so that's kind of how, like, just the the life of pro wrestling is, you know, uh, be it where, wherever you are, on the indies, anything, you kind of make that sacrifice of a personal life, um, you know, for, for your career in pro wrestling. Uh, it's, it's still pretty tricky to kind of navigate that, but AEW definitely, uh, the schedule we have definitely is a little bit more conducive to having a personal life. Once I signed for the first time in probably like eight years I actually had a Saturday off I didn't know what to do with myself I was like what do, what do kids do now should I go to the club yeah yeah are, are you worried about that changing I mean as AEW grows and uh, gets more success you know there's the, the talk now of maybe a second show um are, are you up for that is that something exciting for you or or do you worry about giving up you know have being able to have a life outside wrestling no, no, definitely excited about it. Um, you know, like I said, I, I kind of got used to it. It's just the life of a pro wrestler, uh, and and great, uh, the great, the greater the sacrifice, the better the rewards, right? So, if we're getting a second television show, and who knows what comes after that, I'm definitely willing to give that up because there's always room to squeeze in a little bit of fun, especially when we're traveling to these new towns. You get to see the country a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Is is this whole AEW experience? Um more than you expected. I mean, now we're, we're just over a year from, from uh, it being announced and, and a lot shorter than that since um, the first show. And I know the the vision was this grand vision, uh, but it wouldn't be the first startup to claim that they're going to be the next big thing. And then, you know, in a few months, they're not doing much of anything. Uh, so fair to say that, that it's exceeded your expectations in terms of what this all is. Uh, no, I, I would say, you know, it's a slow process. It's a slow build. We're a new company. Um, I think I think a lot of people get things warped with us being in the uh, age that we live in now with all these instant gratifications. You know, you post something on Instagram or Twitter, you know, three seconds later, you've got 100 likes. Um, you know, the only time anything is really slow is when you go to the DMV. It takes five minutes. People want to pull their hair out. So, People forget we're a new company, we're a new business. It takes that slow build, and I think we're we're doing that just fine. Um, we're testing things out, getting some feedback, seeing what works, what doesn't work, making those adjustments, so that you know the next year, the year after that, the year after that, we can just hit it full throttle and blow everything completely out the water. Yeah, yeah. I know uh, fans and and writers like me we're we're watching the ratings every week, who won the week, that that kind of thing. There's definitely a, a spirit of competition um, from observers on the outside between AEW and, and whether you're talking NXT or just WWE in general. Do, do, you, do you feel that? Is that in the locker room? Is it something that, that you're monitoring? Um, I think there's always a spirit of healthy competition, and I think there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Um, you know, I'm in, I'm in competition with all my coworkers in the sense that 
I, I want to, you know, they're going to help bring me up to their level and I'm going to help bring them up to my level. We're just going to keep pushing each other to be the best version of ourselves that we can be. You know, I'm in competition with myself. I want to make sure that I'm doing better this week than I did last week. Um, you know, it, just competition with everything. And, and like I said, it just breeds motivation. Where it becomes unhealthy is when you start obsessing over numbers and, you know, you, you just kind of you start playing dirty, if you will. Um, like, that's not good. That's not healthy. That, that doesn't do anything. It may seem like it's doing good, but it does nothing but bring harm, in my opinion. Yeah. Where do you see the, the women's division in AEW? I mean, for, for all the praise that's been heaped on AEW, probably the one of the places that's been criticized the most is the women's division, just in terms of um, some of the athletes not being as far along, some of the matches not being as polished as you might see um, elsewhere. Is that a, a fair criticism? Is it something you're mindful of, or, or is it not fair? I think it's a little bit not fair. Um, I think people are so used to seeing one style of product uh, that that when things don't look a certain way, they automatically assume the worst or, you know, they have their own assumptions about it instead of giving it a fair shot, uh, giving us a fair shake. Um, again, we are a new company. A lot of performers, male and female, have not worked on weekly television before. And I think you know, in that regard, we're all uh, getting our footing. We're all catching our stride. Um, look at where everyone is now compared to week one. Um, it's only going to get, it's only gotten better from there. It's only going to get better from there. So if people just a little bit more patient and not so critical, I think they would actually enjoy things. Yeah, yeah. So you won the title a few weeks ago. Obviously been been in the news a lot uh, because of it. Uh, when you see all the stories that uh, focus on your transgender identity, is that do uh, does it make you feel proud to to represent uh, your community that way, or do you wish that wasn't part of the story that you would just be evaluated as you know a badass woman wrestler that's running through the AEW uh, women's division? Well, I definitely wish it wasn't a part of uh, the story in that regard because. You know, it's it's such a, a minuscule part of who I am. There's so many more facets to my to my life, to my personality, to who I am than just that. Excuse me. Um, you know, you don't you don't see uh, well, you don't see now. I guess with with African American athletes, that being at the forefront of everything. Um, but yeah, when when it when when the segregation was a thing when. African-American athletes were being first integrated into mainstream sports. Yeah, it was everywhere. So I get it. I get why it's such a newsworthy item. Um, and I do hope we get to a point where it's not mentioned or just kind of like, oh, yeah, by the way, this happened. Um, but there also is that major sense of pride because you don't see someone like myself uh, portrayed in such a positive way. And despite all the negativity, received so well uh, amongst a lot of people, especially in the main dream. Yeah. You, you mentioned that negativity. I imagine if you're like going through your Twitter feed for, I imagine every, I don't know how many uh, tweets that praise you, you're, you're going to get um, that person who's maybe not tolerant, who maybe uh, has not been exposed to a lot of transgender people uh, in their life. And uh, I imagine say some pretty mean things. Did that just kind of stop you in your tracks? I mean, how much does, does that get under your skin or are you able just to kind of keep on swiping? Um, 
you know, I really don't know. Like every day is different. Uh, every every post is different. It definitely catches you off guard, especially you know if I'll make a post. You know, hey, this morning I had toast, and someone like goes out of their way to come on my page and kind of like tear me down. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's a bit of a shock value there. That's like, whoa, okay, I wasn't expecting that. I'm just talking about bread. Like I don't know why you're so hateful towards me and bread, but all right. Um, so, so it does kind of get under your skin a little bit. It does, it does shake you a little bit, but, uh, you, you got to keep pushing, you know, so it's really the only way that you're going to overcome all this negativity, all this hatred is to just kind of like put it in its place and keep pushing. Um, yeah, I really don't know what else to say about it. It's just people being hateful for no other reason than they're uncomfortable. Um, so they, they push back a little bit because people don't like to be uncomfortable. Um, but rather than kind of put that in themselves. I think a lot of people are afraid of what that may mean. It doesn't mean a damn thing. It just means you accept a person as a person. Did, did you have to break up a lot for dealing with all this? Because it, it, it's challenging, I imagine, just to be a transgender person. It's extra challenging uh, to be a transgender person in a, uh, a public job in kind of the, the, the eye of, of uh, an audience. And then another thing, in – on national television, TNT, millions of fans watching uh, every week. Uh, it, 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 were, were you uh, ready for, for these challenges, or have they been more than you expected? Um, I don't know. It's been a little bit of a hodgepodge of everything, kind of. Uh, I was kind of ready. I kind of knew what to expect, but not, I guess, to the degree that it's happened wasn't ready for that uh there was a little bit of a learning curve if you will will for that um it it has definitely kind of like i don't even know the right word for it but you know i'll be out somewhere and 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 maybe somebody's staring at me i kind of have to check myself actually it's like why is this person staring at me have they do they do they do they know about me like do they think they know what's going on do they know i'm transgender or do they think i'm cute and want to talk to me (laughs) <laughs> or do they want an autograph? <laughs> you know, so it's kind of like I should not pop off just so soon. I should kind of like, you know, just be aware that this person is kind of like staring me down. Like, kind of figure out what's going on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it hasn't been. Uh, I I don't know that I've ever heard any. Is it was was there a point made that this wouldn't be brought up on television? That it's not part of your character story. Um, there wasn't a point made about it. It just kind of. Uh, never happened. <laughs> yeah. I guess yeah. I guess the biggest thing is because because it's not a part of my character, there's no reason to put it on TV. Um yeah. you know, if it comes up it comes up. If it doesn't, it doesn't. You know, it's 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 a part of who I am as a person, but not my character as a wrestler. And our show on T V is about showcasing our wrestling. Right. Right. And and the one thing I would think about it being part of your character, then that contributes to the whole argument of like, well, it's fair, which uh, the whole idea of, of transgender women, women in sports. Now, a lot of people pointed that out that that's extra stupid when you're talking about uh, pro wrestling, uh, but, <laughs> it, but it was part of the character. That is something you'd have to deal with, right? It's the whole, the whole question of, of, you know, whether there's any advantage that comes with it. I kind of broke up there a little bit. I missed some of that question because you're thinking. I'm sorry. I'm sort of thinking out loud with, with some of this, but but I guess the, the as as uneducated as it is, the arguments against transgender women in sports that doesn't come to play 
I would think, unless you would, you address it on, on TV. Otherwise, you're just another woman, really big, strong woman uh, in the division full of women, right? So I wondered. Uh, oh, absolutely. If, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's really silly. Like, it's it's actually kind of funny in a way because so many people think they know what's going on, but they really have no idea. Like, you know, remember that old MTV True Life? You think you know, but you have no idea. It's yeah. very much that. And I laugh every single time I see it because outside of Japan and probably Mexico, basically here in the U.S., I can't think of a single all-women's wrestling school. So every woman that you've seen on TV has probably come up through the rankings trained with men. Where's the outrage there? Right. Right. On the independent skit, they've definitely had intergender matches. It's a, it's a, it's, it happens like all the time. You know, women's matches, women's matches used to be, you know, special attraction. Well, no, women's wrestling has found a place in the mainstream market. It's in demand. People love women's wrestling. So it's not a special attraction anymore when you have it on your card all the time. So they started doing intergender matches. Where's the outrage for that? You don't see it. But the second a transgender woman, something that you don't understand comes into the foray, it, there's outrage everywhere. Yeah. What did you think of uh, Tessa Blanchard? It makes no sense to me. What, what did you think of Tessa Blanchard winning the uh, the world title over on Impact? Because uh, I, I think, like, mindsets have changed there, too, and, and they're, they're more accepting than they were a few years ago. But uh, even uh, – and there's still plenty of people, I think, aren't totally okay with it. But there's definitely uh, an, an uneasiness a couple of years ago about the the image of men and women fighting each other uh, on TV, especially if you've got a man getting offense uh, on a, a woman. On the one hand, there's uneasiness of a man hitting a woman. On the other hand, there's the uneasiness of a man selling for a woman. Uh, so just as an observer, what have you thought about, about all that? Well, I don't, I don't see anybody who had that problem, you know, watching Marvel movies and Black Widow is beating up 25 dudes. Nobody seems to flinch with that. But the second is pro wrestling, uh, which, you know, there's no secret. We've, we've established it. We've acknowledged it as a form of entertainment. So it's kind of in the vein of the same thing. Uh, people get a little uneasy. And, and I get it. You know, ours is a little bit more realistic. It's a little bit more, una- a little bit more attainable. Nobody has superpowers. You know, unless their character has superpowers. Yeah, unless you're the um, but, uh, but, <laughs> <laughs> but with, uh, you know, so there's a little bit of thing. I guess people, people don't actually stop to think for a second. Um, but, yeah, with, with Tessa winning, I think it was a great thing. I think it was wonderful. It's something new. It's refreshing. It's a fresh outlook on something we've done a million bajillion times. Um, I, I say sit back and let the story play out. Then judge it. You know, don't don't go into it just hating it right off the break. Uh, you know, let it let the story play out. Then you can kind of be like, yeah, I liked it. I did like it. Okay, what's the next chapter? Move on from there. Yeah. Are, are you interested in uh, wrestling men, or because of your unique situation, do you worry that that ends up being a step backwards, or or opens it up for more kind of misinterpretation? Um, there's always going to be misinterpretation uh, for, for everything I do. I'm kind of I'm kind of in this weird catch-22 situation, and I think I'll always be there. Maybe I'm right, maybe I'm wrong about that, um, but I kind of feel like I'm always damned if I do, damned if I don't. Um, 
I see no issue with me challenging men, especially, you know, uh, if, if there's like a crossover. Like, if I were to work solely in the men's division, definitely a problem. But if I had crossover appeal, then there's nothing wrong there. You know, China did it. Uh, you know, so, so many women have done it. Lita's done it. So, so why can't I do it, you know? Yeah. How, how comfortable uh, are you? How long have you been wrestling now? Uh, this is a mic year, I believe. Okay, so that's a fair amount of experience. But also, you're, you're in there with, with some women who who have been doing it uh, a lot longer, further along in their career. Do, do you still feel like there's a lot of learning on the job? And is that is that nerve wracking? I mean, being in there with with uh, a Riho or somebody who uh, again so advanced. And uh, do you feel like you're trying to keep up, or, or do you feel like you're you're on the same league there? Oh, it's, it's absolutely nerve-wracking, but, like, in the best way possible. Um, there's, there's always room to learn. There's always room to grow. Um, you know, we, we have people who have been in there who have been in, like, every promotion you can think of, and they themselves still talk about how they're learning things. So to think that just because you've had a little bit of experience and you've done a few things that you you know it all, that's completely ludicrous. Um, wrestling is such an ever-changing, ever-evolving uh, creature that there's no way to ever know it all. You will for, forever be learning everything about this sport, especially if you have a certain type of passion that you want to know every aspect of the job. And I feel kind of guilty because I'm, you know, talking to the camera people, talking to the sound guys. Like, I want to know how it all works. You know, I, I so so I hope they don't you know push me out of the way backstage. But I, I truly just want to want to know how every aspect of this business comes together at this level. Uh, but to kind of circle back to the original point, yeah, learning learning is something that always goes on. I love being in there with someone who has had more experience than I am. Um, kind of going back to the earlier question, I feel it does raise me up. It forces me to think outside of the box or get outside of my comfort zone and kind of push myself. And I think that's where the magic really is, is when you're, when you're really pushing yourself and trying new things. Um, you know, if you're, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not growing. Yeah. When, and, and uh, I don't know if it's happened to you or, or how much it happened to you, but I think it's probably happened to everybody at some point. Uh, when something doesn't go quite right in the match and the fans are vocal about it and you get the, the U.S. up chance and, and that kind of thing, um, how much do you take that uh, to heart? Is it is uh, do you sort of feel like all right, I deserve that? You know, that didn't go quite right. Do you want to stop the match and start screaming at the fans for for being such jerks? How, how do you deal with that? <laughs> See, that's the beauty of being a bad guy. I can stop yeah. the match and yell at the fans. <laughs> right. See, there's, there's a method to the madness. There's a reason I do what I do. Um, but no, uh, yeah, when you, when you get those chances, you don't get a reaction that you kind of hoped for. It can be a little jarring. Um, the, the best thing to do is to not get in your own head. And that is way easier said than done. I don't even know if it, you know, it has ever been done. You'll always get in your head, but the best thing to do is to try to not get in your head in that moment. Just kind of be like, all right, uh, be on Bostomania for that one and, and put it behind you finish the match out, and then go back and, like, what went wrong? Uh, but but in that moment, you cannot you cannot let it eat you alive because then you have what I call the snowball effect because you're trying, you know, you're trying to proceed with the match, but 
you're focused on what went wrong, and that's just going to make more stuff go wrong throughout the match, and it's not a good thing. Yeah, yeah. What's the support system been like uh, backstage? I mean, whether you're talking um, the Rhodes family, I, I saw Dustin Rhodes say some really nice things about you and how he, he thinks of you sort of like as a, a little sister uh, or the, uh, Tony Khan or, or everybody backstage. What's that group like? Oh, all of that is genuine. Like, like none of those are manufactured answers. I can honestly say all of that's 100% genuine. And the feeling there, the respect there is absolutely mutual. And, and if I'm being quite frank about it, I, did, I didn't expect any of that. Um, so it, it, it's really kind of tear-jerking and heartwarming um, to have these people who you've more or less just met really stick themselves out there for you and go to bat for you and just kind of want to see you succeed. What, what did you expect? I lost you a little bit. When did I wipe now? What, what did you expect? You said you, you didn't really expect that. What, what did you expect coming um, to, to AEW in terms of how you'd be received by, by everybody there? Um, indifference, I guess, is the best word. You know, here are these people who have done these amazing things in their career. And, you know, here I am coming off the indies. I was not an indie darling. You know, I made a little bit of a name for myself, and I, you know, I did some things, but I absolutely was not everywhere. I was still on that quest. Uh, but, but to have these people like full on take you and embrace you, someone who's pretty much, uh, for lack of a better word, a nobody, uh, that that was that shook that shook my world more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. Another important part of your identity that maybe people don't don't focus on as much um, is your Native American identity. And here's another place where uh, pro wrestling sometimes hasn't had the, the best track record of, of representation. So uh, how much uh, is, is it important for you to be out there with your Native American heritage and being sure that it's represented in the proper light? And do you look back on gimmicks like you know, Chief J. Strongbow, who was like an Italian guy, and, and you know, that, uh, certainly in the 70s and 80s into the 90s, they just put a bunch of feathers on someone and called them Native American. Uh, so are, are you looking for <laughs> some of that? Definitely, definitely. That's actually a big part of why it was important to me to kind of push that part of myself to the forefront. Um, you know, like, like you said, you, ha- you haven't seen much positive positivity in that regard like you, you kind of put it in the best way possible if you were brown and there were feathers lying around you were going to be native american that evening um so so to have someone with actual heritage uh who knows a little bit about their culture uh is really important and and it's it makes me feel good when i see people online when i see fans who pick up on that and they understand and they are they, they're supportive of that. When I see actual Native American fans online who are appreciative, they're like, thank you. Thank you for the representation. Like, we don't get that. It's so awesome to see. And the pride I have in myself and in my family and my heritage, you know, makes, makes people with the same situation have pride in themselves. And they want to be proud and loud. And, and that's, that's really awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I always like to ask uh, uh, wrestlers this uh, sort of cliche question of, of where you see yourself in, in a few years. In, in your situation, you know, in some respects, you already reached that mountaintop, right, at, at least in, in AEW. And so you wonder, where do you go from here? So what, what are some goals that, that are left for you there in AEW? 
um, I would say rate retain this championship of that long five year reign. That's never been done, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I no, I no. Still be gave uh, a few weeks ago about uh, being a one time champion, and you know everybody bragging about being the 16, 17 time champion, which means you lost at least that many times. But um, I thought there was <laughs> yeah, it's, it's the little things. The devil's in the details, right? Um, yeah, definitely, definitely in five years, I would love to see myself uh, having picked up an immense amount of knowledge, uh, being able to help bring up new people who are just coming into the light. Um, I would love to be in a position where I could start an all-women's training facility. That, that's just a personal goal of mine. Whether it's in five years or 10 years or whatever, that's, that's definitely on the top of my docket. Uh, but I would love to be in a position where I could do that in the next five years or so and uh, keep doing what I'm doing. I, I, would, I would love to still be able to perform in ring. Um, but I think having some backstage duties might be kind of fun as well. Before getting into being in front of the camera, I, I was really big into behind the scenes stuff. I did television production in school, so I've always loved just being a part of the creative process. Um, this business isn't going to get rid of me that easy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I imagine AEW maybe that's um, more likely than some other places because they have been so open uh, to giving the talent other roles, right? So obviously that's something you'd be interested in. Definitely, definitely, 100%. Uh, you know, there's, there's so many hats to wear. People forget just how many people have to make uh, make the entertainment you watch look good. There's so many uh, hats. There's so many opportunities, um, you know, from camera person, production, uh, director. Like, there's just so many. I couldn't even list them all. Uh, but, but definitely, I, I'd like to give a, shot, a fair shot at a few of those things, uh, especially on the creative side. I... I tend to have the craziest ideas and, and I would love to kind of put some of those into effect. Not saying I don't now being in a position where I have the final say would be kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. All right now. Thanks so much. Uh, this has been a pleasure. I appreciate you taking the time here and uh, look forward to. No worries. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Best of luck. Take care. Bye-bye. <laughs>